Hello, Jeff. Hello, Soraya. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. You? I'm doing great. So we just got off the phone with Steve Wynn again. He's so nice to come on our show and do a, these repeat conversations with us. He's super kind, one. But two, when you start releasing stuff, we want to <laughs> ask about it. So Exactly. You know? Exactly. But it's really nice to welcome him back on the podcast and hear his thoughts. So I don't know, Jeff, let's hop into it. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. Hey. Hello. Hello. Let's see if I can get this all going. Let's see, start video. I've gotten pretty good at this over time. Hey, Soraya. Oh, yeah, okay. that is wild. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, like my background. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. trippy. It does the weird thing with the hair when you move around, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> I put the headphones it's on. All anyway. good. Yeah. Thank you once again for joining us. Good seeing you guys. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jeff. What's right? Do you want to know something? What's that? So you know how this whole coronavirus thing has shut everything down and yeah. people don't know what to do? Yeah. Steve Wynn is not that guy. Okay? <laughs> Let me just run this down, all right? Okay. So coronavirus lockdown start in March of this year. Right. Let me just read you a little list. Okay. Of how Steve Wynn's been busy. April 10th, the universe inside gets released. Also in April, he releases Solo Acoustic Volume 1. Also, in May, Dream Syndicate also releases, re-releases their 2018 EP, How Did We Find Ourselves Everywhere. And the Baseball Project releases the Broadside Ballads, originally from 2010. And then in June, <laughs> Solo Acoustic Volume 1. And then there was a little teaser on Facebook that something is coming out on Tuesday. Steve, everyone else is freaking out that they don't know what to do, but apparently <laughs> you have been bitten by the production bug. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, 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 think, I think everybody has their own way of freaking out. I think my way of freaking out was just to get busier than ever. I think, you know, <laughs> believe me, it would have been just as easy to sleep until noon and eat, you know, <laughs> eat um, fudge-covered Oreos in bed and, 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 and watch repeats of the Twilight Zone. I could have done that too. Quite easy. No, but I, I mean, I like, I like doing this. It's been, it's been a, you know, every possible negative side of all the society. It's just been a chance to be home for a while, which I don't do that often. I'm, I'm always on tour, so I've used the time. I've also been, I've been painting a lot and, and and showing my paintings at Yard Dog Gallery in Austin. I've been writing a lot of new songs, some with Chris Kakavis. Uh, I'm, and, I, and I'm not saying to say, oh man, you know, I'm some type of wild example, but it just kind of what I do to cope with the situation. Wow. And I forgot to add that he does a Facebook Live every Friday. I've been enjoying that. Like so that. we all go to the medicine show on Friday, and he gives us that dose of what we need. You know, I mean, we, we, we're, the three of us are all big music fans. And I've been, you know, I've been a music fan longer than I've been making records. And music has always been my way of making sense of the world and, and, and coping with sad times or finding my way out of a dead end or... Um, 
trying to figure out where I was at, maybe, you know, to understand myself better. And I've done that as a songwriter. I've done that making records. I've done that through touring with my friends. And I'm doing it now, not only, you know, not only as a musician, as a music fan as well, I'm listening to more things than ever too. Just I'm kind of, music Music is, is, the, is the, um, the gatekeeper to our happiness in lots of situations and definitely these days. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And we're very thankful that you've been so productive. Soraya was mentioning the medicine show, um, Friday events. And with your shows specifically, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, this, it was a common thing for artists to come on and do live performances from wherever they were holding down for it at. But one thing I think is really special about yours, it really feels to me like it's a connection. I think it's the way that you interact in between songs, but it feels, yeah. and that's a good thing about music, it feels there's a connection there. And a lot of times it, it's, the artists will do their thing, write their songs, perform, and put it out there for us listeners. And then, then we uh, internalize it, listen to it, and we, we connect in that way. But, and then the, the actual interaction comes in the live shows. But somehow these performances that you do from your place really feel like a connection. I, I feel like it, even though you're on the other side of uh, the, the U.S., it feels like a connection and it feels like we're hanging out in your living room or wherever you happen to set up that time <laughs> that, uh, that the, we're, we're there with you enjoying what you're performing. Good. I'm glad it comes off that way. That's kind of the idea to, to make it just like we're all hanging out together. It's, I think I talked about this on the last one I did last Friday, how much of a learning experience it is for me to, to, um, to do these shows because when I play, and I didn't realize this so much until I, start, until I started trying to do these shows where I'm singing in an iPad in the middle of my living room, which is such a different thing. And I realized when I play music well, in the studio, but definitely when I play music live, I'm connecting off everything around me. I'm, if I'm playing with a band, I'm so tuned into everybody on stage and what they're doing at every second. And I'm watching the audience and I'm aware of everybody in the audience, what's going on. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think they, they said the reason Wayne Gretzky was such a good hockey player was because he could see the entire ice all the time. And I think musicians have a little that also. I think it's not even like we're distracted. It's more like we're just aware of what's going on. And I know for me, that's the case. So when I'm on stage, it all feeds into my show. If I see somebody, yawning from three feet away, that, that hits me. <laughs> if I see somebody going bonkers from eight feet away, if I see somebody, you know, in the back who ran up close because they heard their favorite song, anything, anything that's happening, either consciously or subconsciously works into what I do. But when I do these living room shows, I have none of that. I have no, nothing to play off. Linda, of course, we're there having fun together and that's yeah. great. And I, but beyond that, I'm looking at my iPad. I'm looking at myself, which is, weird enough anyway um, <laughs> that's thing we're all coming to grips with but also just i don't so i so I, what i've had to do is in doing these shows and it's been great for me is try to learn to imagine what's going on or connect maybe with something in myself that i wasn't going to dig into and it's it's so different but i'm i'm hoping that by the time i finish my 10th or 11th or 12th one it'll be as much second nature for me as playing on stages excellent yeah those are so fun so they happen uh Right now, every Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, right? And, and 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for us. But um, last time, you did something really special. And I did want to mention that there is a virtual tip jar 
so people that want to help out or throw some money your way that, that that's available but what you did the last time is a hundred percent of all of that you gave to music cares um what was the thought behind that well it's it's a chance for me to raise money for things i believe in and there are plenty of causes i believe in but as a musician i know you know i'm pretty fortunate you know compared to a lot of people and i've been touring all these years and managed to you know be in a band that makes records regularly but a lot of musicians young ones starting out or older ones who whose careers you know there are a lot of people who are 80 years old who made some of our favorite records who haven't been able to tour in years and they have no health insurance they have no this is what they've been trained to do their whole life and maybe they can't get out there and get on stage they definitely can't now maybe they haven't for a long time so music cares is a great job of providing help to musicians with their with health care with psychological care with finding jobs for them with helping them figure out what they can do or connecting them with the right people or if nothing else just giving the money they need so that was that was really near and dear to my heart i mean i, I feel like that that um it's it's easy to say that well live music is over for for now and for the next year and all that kind of stuff and it's hard for music fans and all of us but it's really hard for musicians financially psychologically creatively um everything and and i wanted to give some money and it, it went well it went great we raised a lot of money for that uh, wow eleven hundred and thirty five dollars so that's what? that's great so for me playing for an hour of music in my living room, maybe it's going to help a few, you know, people out there get by for a while. That's great. Wait. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I, when I started doing these, I, I did a few of these um, living rooms, the, 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 the Facebook live shows for an Italian club, which I like a lot, called Jeremy in Milan. They're, they're good friends of mine. And that was the first one I did, and it was really fun. It went great. And the second one I did was for a popular website in Italy called rockhole.it and that went great and I was like okay you know I wasn't thinking I'm going to do this to make money I just was a way of playing music for people and keeping keeping my shops up keeping connected to fans um, finding a way to deal with the pandemic and the, the world's problems in real time and just feel like the connection which I thrive off of but I and I and I want to make it clear with the medicine show thing I always say it's free Come by and hear some music if you have time. Listen to it live, listen to it over the weekend. It's just a place to hang out. But like a lot of musicians, I put the tip jar there because if you want to drop a buck or two in there, that's great. That's your, that's, you know, that, that's, it's appreciated, believe me, you know, in a time where I'm not touring. But I also didn't want to make it like every week I go out there saying, okay, you know, more please, more please. So I thought, who else can I help out? And last week with Music Cares. I love that. I love that. That's excellent. You know, it's really interesting because I know while you're playing, you can't see it and you probably check it out afterwards, but the community building in that message board as you're playing, is really, it. it's really encouraging yeah. and it's really affirming. And, you know, it's just a different way, you know, we usually create, create that connection at the live show when you're surrounded with people and this is just another way. So it's just really, really neat for us, at least just watching and Oh, great. And so many people from so many different places. Yeah. Who knew, you know? I love it. All over yeah. the world. I know, and it's, it, I, I, I do see it. In fact, I was, I was trying to find a way uh, to, to look at them maybe between songs. I can't do it, you know. I, you see the glasses here, and it's kind of <laughs> like, that, that, 
I have, I have pretty good far vision. I can, I can, I, I, I never remember which is near and far sighted, but I can, I can see miles away. I'm fortunate for that, but reading, forget it, you know? So to be able to see the comments, I'd have to kind of put these on and get really close. <laughs> and just, you know, yeah. I kind of, I made, I made the decision not to, but I'll be honest. I'll be completely honest here. When I finish these shows, I always, you know, Linda and I finish, we turn everything off and kick back on the couch and, you know, pour a drink or, or relax. And, um, read them all and it is true it's i i you're i've noticed what you're saying that it's not just like hey steve i love the song or hey steve we play this but everyone's talking to each other like you said like you say it like they would at a club like hey homie in germany and this is yuko in holland oh great it's ole in norway and all these people a lot of them i know very well and they're all just going at it i mean i could just leave i could walk away and say you guys you guys finish up <laughs> I'll come back in an hour. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it is a lot like being at a show, like you, you both have mentioned, so. 100%. Well, you know, I think it's interesting, and I want to segue into these releases, because as we speak, we're coming up again on a first Friday for Bandcamp, and Bandcamp has been really active during this time in supporting artists at least one Friday a month any sales through Bandcamp stay with the artist or, you know, on other days, like the other day of what the sales went to the NAACP legal that was fund. Great. That was cool. So they've been really active in supporting artists and artist causes. So um, I do want to talk about, first of all, this solo acoustic, because I find it interesting when you said, I'm just playing really in my living room to myself and Linda's there, but you know, I'm staring back at myself and I want to bring out, a quote from um, something you wrote about the solo acoustic uh, volume one uh, release. And I quote, I went for some of the most lyric heavy, emotionally stark songs in my catalog and knew that the vocal would be the focal point of the record. When I read that, and then every time I listened to it, I noticed I'm, I have stopped paying attention to the guitar, which speaks so loudly anyways but the more i listen to you the more i start to see all these dimensions in your voice and when you're singing and so i have to ask how did you narrow down this release because you said you recorded 26 songs in one eight hour session i don't yeah. know how anyone <laughs> does that but i, I put nothing but how did you narrow it down from 26 to what's actually on this release? Well, I worked a lot leading up to it and during and after with Randy Franklin, who co-produced the record with me. Randy, Randy um, runs Yard Dog Gallery in Austin. He's the guy who shows my paintings down there. We've been friends for a long time. He's, he's also a great musician. We've done a, he put, he put on a show in Austin a couple of years ago where he put together a backing band for me. So we have, we have a connection as, the art world as musicians, as friends. And he also knows my catalog pretty well. And I, as I said in the notes for the record, I've been listening to um, a lot to Bill Callahan, the great songwriter, recording artist. Um, I think he is based in Austin these days, but I think he might be from Delaware. Anyway, I'm, I'm a fan of his music and I like the way his records sound. And I was, I was curious to see who made his records. And I found it was one guy in Austin named Brian, Brian Beatty, who records all his records. So I thought, wow, I'd love to work with this guy. And it turned out the Dream Syndicate had a show 
last November in Austin. And I had nothing planned for the couple of days afterwards. So I'll hang out and do this record. And I would have been very happy to do it with Brian because I knew, I knew he'd be probably great at doing it. But Randy was kind of like my, I guess, like my, my conscience. My, he was the me, so I wouldn't have to be that side of me, if that makes sense. You know, when I'm in the studio, one thing I like about having a producer or not, not doing it all myself is I can just play music and not think in terms of, was this a good idea? Is that working? Is that getting across? It's nice when somebody's there that you trust uh, who, can, who can say, yeah, you're not quite there, or you should choose that one. So Randy was very involved in choosing the songs ahead of time. He suggested things. I ran things by him. And then when I went in the studio, I just played and played and played. I just sat there and, you know, and I had I'd sung with the Dream Syndicate till two in the morning the night before. So my voice was, you know, I, I was, I didn't get a ton of sleep. My voice was a little ragged. I said, well, just, just get in there and, you know, have a big glass of water and a Red Bull by my side and, 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 <laughs> and let's go. And just play it all day long. You know, and sometimes Randy or Brian would say, yeah, do that one again, or, you know, let's try it maybe a little different way or just move on. And I just kept going and going and going until eight hours had passed. I said, I think that's probably enough. Wow. <laughs> so it was great. So it's great to have a chance to choose them. And actually the songs that we didn't use that weren't on the record are really good. I mean, really good too. So I think there will be a volume two, not too long from now, probably. It's nice. I like, I really, I'd never done a record like this. I, I, I play shows like this all the time. I love playing solo acoustic. I've been doing it since, I think, I was trying to think of this the other day. I think the first time I ever played a solo acoustic show was at Maxwell's in Hoboken in 1984. It was a snowy day and I played on a bill with Chris Stamey and Peter Holzapple. Wow. No, I take it back. I take it back. Just Chris Stamey. It wasn't with Peter. It was just me and Chris did a show together. And that was the first time. And that was only because I was in New York. I was, you know, not living here at the time. I was living in LA at the time. I was in New York mastering medicine show. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted some spending money. I wanted some, some pizza, pizza and coffee money. So I <laughs> said, I'll play this show at Maxwell's. And I went up there with my acoustic guitar, having no idea how that would work. But it came really natural to me. I think, you know, I mean, I don't claim to be, there are people who play acoustic shows and have great skills for finger picking. Richard Thompson, what he does on acoustic guitar when he plays is like a master school, you know, it's great. And there are a lot of people like that. I think my, the thing I bring to the acoustic show is one, I have a catalog of songs that, I, that people like to hear and I can, I'm the guy who can deliver them. I'm there like, well, I wrote these songs and for the next hour and a half, I'm gonna play some for you. And that's one thing I bring in. Also, it's that thing I was talking about earlier of that, way that I, I essentially jam with the audience, I'm connecting with the people when I'm up there. I'm like, when I'm playing solo acoustic, we're on it together. And I feel the ebb and the flow and the energy coming and going through the whole show. And that's the fun part for me. And that's where it becomes communal. That's where it becomes just almost like, you know, not to overstate it, but like a religious experience, like a church thing. Where come, this is our moment together to try to reach some higher experience, some connection, something that will make us walk out saying, man, I feel like I got a great massage, or I feel like I got, you know, you know, mm -hmm. great, or I just, you know, closed my eyes and meditated for an hour, something like that. So I've always really liked this, but I'd never made a record like that. I'd never made a record where I did that same kind of thing. And I thought I came out well. I was happy with it. It did. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen you um, 
promote your like your living room shows and your solo acoustic tours like in Europe. And so I started getting the feeling, is this what people are are seeing and experiencing when you've been solo and you know just kind of you know in smaller groups i think i keep imagining that every time i listen to this album and so it's just another side of you i think that is really interesting as an artist and i i love the collection of songs i mean i can't rave about them enough oh good thanks we know we know how badass you are with an electric guitar but like to prove that you're badass too with the acoustic one is just awesome so it's, it's so different there's such different things. I mean, and I, I like having both, both things that I can do. And the thing is, I don't, I mean, I've done a lot of acoustic shows in LA because I played in the caves a lot over the years, but I, it's been a long time and I don't do a lot of these in the States. And the, I say the funny thing is something not that funny at all, but the, the, the ironic thing is I was planning on going on my first ever acoustic solo tour in April. I had two weeks of shows booked from New York to Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, Wisconsin and back. So I had 14 shows booked and that's going to be kind of my trial run for seeing if it can work in the States the way it does in Europe. Because I played, I mean, just a couple years ago, I played 26 solo shows in Italy, just Italy alone in one year. Wow. And I did like another, you know, dozen in Norway and I do them in Belgium and Holland and Germany. I've been doing this a lot there kind of regularly for decades now, but I hadn't done this much in the States. So I think, well, I, I think I always kind of underestimate having fans in the US. There was a period of time after Dazzling Display came out in 92, when there were some problems with that tour for a lot of reasons, but some of the shows didn't go that well and a few were canceled. And at that, at that same time in 92, things in Europe were going up, 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 getting better and better and better. And I went through a four year period from 92 to 96 where I didn't play the US at all. I did maybe a few shows with Gutterball, I did maybe one or two electric shows, but I pretty much stopped playing the States. Cause like, well, you know, it's, it's so difficult here and it's so gratifying over there. I'll just play there all I can. And it wasn't until a little bit later, you know, that I started playing the States and realized, oh, people, there are people here who want to hear my stuff, but I've never totally lost that state, that, 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 that mindset. And because of that, I just forget to do certain things over here. And one of them is playing solo tours. So this was going to be the big, this is going to be the big, you know, let's see if this can work and didn't happen. <laughs> next time, next yeah. year, yeah. next year, next year, I hope. <laughs> how many things can I, how many things can I hope for for next year? But that's, you know, yeah. one of the, that's, that's, one, that's one of 500. <laughs> <laughs> Keep adding to the list. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Hey, so I wanted to switch gears and talk about what came out next and with the baseball project and the broadside ballads which was some stuff that you guys had recorded at least nine of the songs right in 2010 for an espn project what was the thought yes. in releasing broadside ballads to uh, uh to the band camp world well we'd never it, it, we put it out on cd back in god maybe 2014 i think we put it out on cd a, a while ago and it sold out right away. I can't remember how many we made, but whatever we made, they sold out immediately. We never repressed it. So it's something that people have been asking about for a long time. And we never repressed it, just who knows why. We just didn't. So when this band camp thing came along, you know, like a lot of musicians, I mean, I can't say enough good things about band camp and, and that they did what we were talking about earlier, having their commission free Fridays. Also, 
besides that one thing, they also make it really, really easy for musicians to access the site. It's a real um, user-friendly, it's not too tricky, you don't need to have an IT expert to help you out with it. It's like, it's, it's all, you know, you just kind of, you just go in there and put your songs up and type a few words and it's up there. So it really makes it every, everybody in the world, you know, even if you made making your first record or wrote your first song, you know, you, any, you, you could write your first song of your entire life this morning and it could be on Bandcamp a couple hours later. So that's exciting. And so a lot of musicians were kind of digging through the catalog saying, well, what do I have to put up there? And the baseball project, we thought of Broadside Ballads was the perfect time and way to get it out because we really liked that record. And it was a kind of a funny, con it's, it's a combination of outtakes from the first two albums, some of which we liked, you know, as typical with outtakes, some of them end up being preferable to the ones that made the record. And I think there's a few on there like that. <laughs> and then the, the ESPN thing you were talking about. So we just, just put it up there and it did great. It's, it's nice. It's, it's um, you know, the same thing with the, 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 the dream syndicate, how we found ourselves everywhere. I think it's just a chance to say, rather than paying eBay prices or hunting one down or not finding one, there it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad that you did this because I, I haven't been able to find the original release that you guys had. And it's there's a couple songs on here that you've written that I think are in your top echelon of songs. I really like 30 Doc and Show Up yeah. to Work Every Day. Both of those are great, great songs. So I'm, I'm glad that- you, re you, re you requested those. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I love I gotta, those I gotta, songs. I, I gotta learn them. <laughs> <laughs> They're great songs. I'm glad that this release came about. Well, thanks, Jeff. I mean, there's, there, there, I like, those are both, they're fun songs. I mean, the way we made that record, those ESPN songs were so much fun. And and I'm sure a lot of people listening don't don't know about the whole process with that. But we, during the, like I said, 2010 baseball season, we started thinking, well, what if we essentially became like combination musicians and journalists? And we, we documented the entire season through music. So the first day of every month, the rule we gave ourselves, we couldn't use things in the can. We couldn't use old songs. We had to write, record, and release them within a week. That was kind wow. of the rule we gave. So we'd see, like, say, middle of the month, we'd say, okay, what's we we had essentially editorial board meetings. Me, me and Scott and Linda and and Peter at the time because he was a uh, Mike wasn't the band yet, but uh, the four of us would just say, well, what are we going to write about this month? And Scott would say, well, I've got a song I want to sing about, you know, Jose Lima, uh, the uh, the Astros. He he just died. Let's great write a song. And we were we weren't in the same place. Linda and I were in New York, of course. Scott. And Peter were all over the place because they were making, um, I'm trying to get this right. They were making Collapse Into Now. They were making, they were making that REM record. So oh. they were, so they, this was going on while they're making Collapse Into Now. And they made that record in, I know they made it in Berlin and in New Orleans. So some of the recording for Broadside Battles was done in Berlin and New Orleans along with Portland, just wherever they happened to be. And yeah, of course they were in recording studios. So they just kind of, take a half hour and knock out their parts. It was a pretty funny record. We just were passing files back and forth at a time where it wasn't quite as common. There weren't Zoom chats back then, you know, they weren't there. <laughs> yeah. you know, so it yeah. was all a little different. It was fun. It was a fun record to do. It was exhausting. Like I gotta say, by the end of the season, we were wiped out because like, you know, that whole process, like, what are we gonna write about this month? We have to have it by the first of the month and, you know, go. <laughs> wow. That sounds like a challenge, like putting that deadline upon yourselves. But it was sounds like a fun challenge too. It was. It was really fun. So I'm glad that's out now. That that's a that's a 
that's a fun record. Then the outtakes like show up to work, which I agree. I like that one a lot. And that's probably should have gone on the record. That um, that's the one about. You know, again, I, I when I'm always whenever I talk about baseball project to non-baseball audiences, I always kind of be like I give a little background. But that that's a song about Cal Ripken of the Baltimore Orioles, who holds the all-time record for most consecutive games played, and I forgot the number, like 2,200, 2,300 wow. games in a row without ever missing a game, and that's hard. You know, you, you get injured, you get you get a pulled muscle, you get you know, you're just sore, you're 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 feeling weak one day, you're tired, whatever. He played every single day. And I likened in that song, the analogy is how much it's like what we do. We go on tour and you play every day and it doesn't matter what we've all, we've all played shows where we had the flu or, you know, food poisoning or, or, you know, or hangovers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever. But we, we've all played shows where we weren't in the greatest shape, but you just punch the clock and go do it. And not to make it sound like a, a, a drudgery, but you, you play, show up to work every day. And that's kind of a noble thing, I think, about what, every, what everybody does, God, what, what, you know, what we all do. We just kind of get up in the morning and say, let's get to work, let's do the thing. like Cal Ripken Jr. There's nothing, there's nothing that he does that I can do, but I can relate to that one thing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially what how uh, Soraya mentioned at the top of our discussion when she was talking about this being the, the pandemic and all the all the activity that you're doing and you're showing up to work every day, even even in this situation. So I can see that well, connection, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I try to figure out what I can do, to, you know, since I'm not on tour, things I can do, things each day, either to make connections with people, but also to be creative. I've written a lot of songs, which, which haven't, none of them have come out, but I've been writing a lot and that's been fun. And in fact, today, just, just before I got on this call with you guys, well, we have a new baseball project song that we're gonna, we're gonna record and hopefully get out in the next week. And we, it, I wrote it about a month ago and it's, I don't wanna give away too much right now, but I will say it's a song about the baseball season not happening this year, about there being no baseball and how, since there's no baseball, you have to imagine the game in your mind. And the game you imagine in your mind could be 
players from 1910 playing on the same team as players from right now. And, um, and, and so it's a really fun song just about this fantasy baseball game where everybody from every era is playing together. The problem is they keep saying there's going to be a season and none of us believe they keep, they keep saying, no, we're really going to have a season. I know it's almost July. I know COVID cases are ratcheting up. I know that players and owners can't agree on anything. I know that yeah, it's, almost, it's almost winter before you know it. And they keep saying we're going to have a season. So I keep holding on to the song, waiting for them to finally give up on it. And now I just got tired of waiting. So we, we went out yesterday and Linda cut the drums in our rehearsal studio. And then um, I've been playing it all day today. So nice. with any luck, it'll be, it'll be out this week, I hope. Wow. That, that would be amazing. And, and I, I always love it. And I know there's a song or two where my lowly Padres show up in a, a song from the baseball project. So I always love that. <laughs> Which one is it? Which one song? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I know, there's, song in? I know yeah. there's one where um, there's a, a list of different bands for different reasons, or I'm sorry, different uh, teams that show up and and the Padres are mentioned. So I was like, yes, my Padres are in there. <laughs> That's right. And Gary Templeton shows up in a few songs. That's yes, right. there's a, yes. There's, there's a little bit of Padre action. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we try to get them all. We got a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah. Padres are not usually on the top of any lists. So. <laughs> Spring is here and the time is right for unrealistic goals. Last summer some hit the bottom rung But the new year brings high hopes The Padres may be surprising A red machine could rise again If the Pirates are pulverizing I wanna write that storybook again You know, it's funny because the way the baseball project works is is really is like running a newspaper where we say, well, what's the angle? You know, I know you want to write about Tony Gwynn should be a song, but you think, well, what would be the angle of a Tony Gwynn song? I mean, he was a great hitter. That's that's not a story. I think if I had my Tony Gwynn song it would be maybe how he just hits singles all the time, how he's just happy just to get on base. I don't know, but that's what we do. We think with, you know, when you're writing songs for other bands for the Dream Syndicate for other projects, you think what emotion do I want to hit? What 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 story do I want to tell? What mood? What the baseball project really is? What's what's the headline? What's you know what the, what the um get the headline, get the story, and and print it, <laughs> print it, get yeah. on the morning edition. <laughs> I love that whole project. To me, not a huge baseball fan. You could just see the excitement that you guys have for the game, and it makes me more excited about the game just listening to it. It's so for me, it's the music, but I I just love that idea. I love the whole concept of it and the scope. You you've narrowed it down to this one sport, and I I enjoy it quite a bit. Oh, great! Thanks. You're are you a baseball fan? I'm not. You know, and Soraya, are you? I am. Who's your team? I'm a Dodger fan. I figured that. Okay, great. Yeah. 
They were looking but, good uh, this year. This could be their year. They got Mookie Betts. It was going to be a good year. <laughs> let's let's not talk about things mm. that make me sad. I know. Free tickets for opening day. I go every year with a group of friends, and then it was, uh, yeah. Anyways, but I did want to say one of the things that I love, and the song that uh, you sang at the last medicine show, uh, Yount, uh, the first. Larry was, Larry Yount. Yeah. Larry Yount. Larry Yount. Thank you. My name is Larry Yount. And my story doesn't rise Like a ripple on the tide Late at night I think what might have been What might have been The older of two brothers And the first to break from home After years down in the miners Called up to the Astrodome Houston I was warming in the pen Skipper said it's time to come in I took my warm-up tosses and I felt something snap They pulled me out and they sent me down and that was that I never made it to the bigs again That's where the story ought to end My name is Larry Yount my story doesn't rise like a ripple on the tide. Late at night, I think what might have been, what might have been. Um, what I like about Baseball Project is the challenge is writing a song, like you said, you know, the headline or the current issue or something, and not make it sound like you know, all the baseball songs I remember from the past, like Jolton, Joe, DiMaggio, they're all kind of uh, cheeky and, and cheesy. Jolton, Joe, DiMaggio. Joe, Joe, DiMaggio, we want you on our side. He tied the mark at 44, July the 1st, you know. Since the stories that you tell and the stories that you all weave through these baseball project songs really give us a different view and a different approach to baseball and the people who play it and the game itself and that's what i like about it it's a it's uh it gives me a real grasp on it from a completely different perspective than just reading an article or going to the game that's what i like about baseball project personally but that's 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 what we try to do i mean hmm. i really think i say this all the time but i think i think the base of the songs that I write, I'll say, you know, won't speak for Scott, the songs I write for the Baseball Project are as personal and as emotional as anything I write, probably more so. You know, it's all in there, you know, sure I'm writing about Larry Young in that song, for example, and it's sure I'm writing about a guy who came in for one game and got hurt and never pitched in the big leagues again, or never pitched at all in the big leagues, but he walked out of the dugout, out of, out of the bullpen, onto the mound, stood there, got hurt, went down there report. So that's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting story anyway, and that his brother ended up being one of the best ball players of all time yeah. is interesting. But the, then it becomes a, an emotional human story. It's not just like, oh, here's a bunch of numbers and Joel and Joe DiMaggio, which actually I do like that song. There's been some good baseball songs, but I, it's a story about having your big shot and it goes terrible and you don't get a second chance and having a brother who does everything you want, want to do, but didn't get to do. And I imagine, for example, 
I took liberties because I didn't know much about Larry Ant. I didn't know him. But I imagine what's, what's it like at hall when they get together for holidays and he's there with his brother and they got their kids there and the kids are dying. Say Larry's kids might be wanting to ask Robin what was like was like to play in the World Series. What it's like to be Robin Young and how Larry would feel sitting there at the Thanksgiving table, thinking, "Yeah, well, I picked, I got him for one game." <laughs> I mean, he, he, would there be jealousy? Would there be remorse? Would there be sadness? And these are all the things I think about it because they're you get choked up thinking about that stuff. That's that's that's, exactly. that's universal. These things are universal, and I think a lot of times the songs I share for say for the Dream Syndicate or my solo records, which are very, I try to be emotional and tell something. But sometimes they're more, I guess my writing I do for those records are sometimes a little more impressionistic or vague or not even vague is the wrong word, but but sort of like let you fill in the details. Sort of I, I, I lay it on the table and say, now bring your own life to it. But the baseball song just tells us, tells us a story with emotional connection. What's great is that we got to know Larry a little bit through, um, at first through just emails with his wife and with his kids and not him directly. But about it, we found out how much that song emotionally affected him and learned more about his life. We get Christmas cards from Larry and his family every year. It's great. Wow. And then we finally, as I said on the broadcast last week, got to, we played in Phoenix last year where Larry lives. And he said, well, I would love to take you guys out to dinner. So he, you know, he, he took us out to the best restaurant in town. He, as I said in the broadcast, he's done well for himself. My, yeah. my tragic Larry Young story was uninformed by how successful he's been very, very, very successful in real estate. So he took me and Linda out. Scott couldn't make it, but he took me and Linda out that night for dinner. And we had a great time talking baseball, talking everything. So when the, the song subject came to life. Yeah. And, and I, I think that was the point I was trying to make was, usually when we hear songs about baseball, we hear about the heroes. And now Baseball Project really kind of broadens that scope and gives us a little more stories and something to hold on to and that's why like that Larry Yount song was so interesting because it was when you sang that long Uncle Robin what was it like oh my you God, know? Yeah, yeah. and and you just you know your heart sinks as you hear it I mean granted then you tell us the story that he became this multimillionaire and it, you know he did well for himself but at the time you're hearing the song and you're like god that's a gut punch because oh, yeah. one of them had it and one of them didn't. And yeah. you're telling us a story and it's really, it, it really grabs you, you know, and then doesn't let go. That's why I like these songs. I'm sure he relives those, those warm up tosses every, you know, <laughs> once a month, I don't know, but I'm sure he thinks about it. I'm sure he thinks, why didn't I warm up more when I, before I came in? Why didn't I, you know, I'm sure you think of that, but we all do things like that. And that's, you right. know, like I think, you know, um, you know, the, the Jackie Robinson song I say, you know, you know, when you write about Jackie Robinson, you're writing about one of the all-time greatest heroes in America, let alone sports, a guy who just was an incredible human being, what he did. And they well, what you know, am I gonna write about how awesome he was? Well, I could. Am I gonna write about, you know, just the simple fact of what he did and breaking the color line? Yeah. But I wrote about a situation that's very universal. When you get a new job and the boss tells you, we don't want to hear your opinions. Just go to work. Don't, don't, you know, don't be a hot shot. Just, just if, if something's bugging you, keep your mouth shut and endure it. Well, everybody's had that kind of thing in, a, right. in the workplace at some time or another, hopefully not too much, but that's what he had to deal with. And that becomes the story, not, not nothing else. That's the whole story in, 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 the, in Jackie's Lament is, is the poor guy 
among everything else, was just abused and beaten up because players had a lot of players had it out from players were spiking him, fans were yelling horrible things, and he had to just endure it. What a horrible thing! So these, I think that's why I, I talk about these things with the baseball project, and I get very emotional, and not just because I'm a baseball fan. And this, this is one of the this is one of the things about the baseball project can be frustrating is because a lot of people say, well. I love Minus Five, and I love R.E.M., and I love Dream Syndicate, and I love, you know, um, Zuzu's Pedals, and I love all these bands. Baseball Project's not for me because I'm not a baseball fan. I say, no, no, no. There's a way in. The way in is, is understanding the universality of these characters. Exactly, yeah. That's how, exactly how I feel. Yeah. 100%. So speaking of songs that you played at the last medicine show, um, I believe James River incident came up. That brings us to the Solo Electric Volume 1 that you've re released in June, right? And this month. It's actually an old thing I did five years ago, but once again, it sold out. It was gone for a long time. So I pressed up new copies and put it up on, on Bandcamp. So that was the original solo, etc. kind of thing. that was electric versus the acoustic what what was the thought in doing solo electric songs you don't hear that much very often unless you're billy bragg and 1984 yeah. right yeah. so what was the thought to do an electric solo record back then did quite simply i was going out on a tour in 2015 solo electric i never i never i'd never done that before because like i said i did a lot of acoustic tours and that's you know typical troubadour kind of get the guitar out of the case and sing your heart out and put it back in the case and and off you go. But I, I decided I wanted to do a, a year of touring in Europe where I played rock shows by myself. And like, you know, like I said, Billy Bragg has done that. There's nothing, Bob Mould does that really well. You know, there are people who do that. I thought that'd be kind of like linking what I do on a solo tour to my rock music. So I went out on this whole tour and I played loud and I played, you know, I. And I, you know, I, I, I pretended like I had a band on stage with me every night and just went for it. And, and, and it was fun. So I wanted to have a record, as you typically do, if on, on for sale at the shows that would reflect what people had seen. That's why I put that one together. So cause quite simply just, you know, to go, to go with the tour, but it went really fast. It, it went, it was, it was, I made them, sold them out. Like, oh. So it was good time to bring them back. It's a fun record too, cause like the, like the solo acoustic, there's a little panel inside, a blank panel, where I can draw pictures. Both records, both records have um, my scribbles, my artwork on the front. So I said, well, why maybe I'll have something inside where I have a blank panel, and at the merch booth, I can draw new pictures. So I go out there for the show, have a handful of Sharpies, have like, you know, a red and a blue and a yellow and a green Sharpie, and I would just draw these things, sometimes for an hour after the show, which I really, it was a nice way to kind of decompress after the show because that way I could talk to you know one person at a time each time I was drawing for somebody I would say okay well we're gonna hang and talk for a while I do this and I have no delusions about my you know you know my art abilities I my 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 my, my, my artwork is is cathartic and personal 
people and probably approached with the same way I do my music where I'm just trying to get somewhere, connect to something, do something that's going to convey an emotion of some sort. So I would stand there and draw these pictures with, you know, all night long. It was fun. I actually like your artwork a lot. I like yeah. the style. It's, there's an abstractness to it, but it still feels like there's personality that comes out in each one of them. And personally, I, I really love the style myself. So, and I really like your black light work that you've been doing. I'm having, I'm having fun with that. That's really, I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, I love the black light stuff. That was an experiment that's been, I've gotten more and more into. And uh, yeah, it's funny because I, I was thinking recently, because like, I don't, I'm not going to be, you know, over, overly humble and say, oh, I'm not, not an artist. I think what I do is pretty good and I, I like it as well. But I realized lately, it's kind of the same thing, writing songs, painting, going to the studio, making a record, even doing a show, are kind of the same thing where you're, you're just trying to chip away the things you don't like and keep the things you like. And when you see something that excites you, go further in that direction. And when you see something that bugs you, steer away. And it's really kind of, that's how I write a song. That's how I, how I record records, how I, how I do a show, and that's how I paint. The only difference with painting is that when I've played, I have played 3,000 shows, so I know really quickly when something isn't, isn't right, how to get where I want to be. Same thing with songwriting, same thing with record making. With painting is still, I don't know where I'm going. I'm flying blind. I hope I get there. Oh yeah, there's a glimpse I might be getting there. Oh yeah, I think I might be getting closer. Oh no, I fell off. I got to get back now. Wow. So there's, there's less certainty when I paint, but it's the same, comes from the same place. This is my, this is my favorite quote from the notes for this solo electric. And now that you mentioned this about your art, I say, okay, now I, I'm starting to see connections. So um, you said, it gave me a chance to turn songs from my back catalog inside out, reducing them to solo exercises, and then kicking them back out as one man electrical band workouts. <laughs> and when I read that, I said, so, you know, I think something that I see as so complete, or as I hear as so complete, when you describe it yourself, it's kind of like, I'm just working it out. I'm going to see where things fall. And it sounds like your art, you kind of just, I'm going to go this way. Let's see what happens and how it all ends up. And, you know, and then I'll work it out from there. But electrical, a one man electrical band workout. Yes, I love it. Well, you know, I'm thinking about what you just said. I'm kind of, I kind of think about all of that. You know, the, the, and I, we all, I think we all enjoy doing that. That we all enjoy whatever our hobby is, getting in there and and figuring it out, and and you know, the challenges and frustrations that come with that. You know, and whether it's working on a car or cooking or or you know or, or any number of things, home renovation. I can say I don't think speaking out of school right now. Linda is in the next room, chipping away paint on windowsills and repainting the entire living room because she, she's very good at it and she really loves doing that. And if I, I haven't been out there in about an hour, you know, I'm sure I'll go out there and it'll be like in all disarray, but she has to, to do that the way she likes it. She has to tear it all apart and build it back together again. And that's a fun process because you say, oh my God, I've created chaos. Now I've got to find my way out of the chaos. And I've never been a guy who works on cars, but I think that might be, might be some of the fun is getting the engine and pull out all the parts and put it back in again or whatever you do. And I think that with the songs, a song like say, you know, James River Incident, which was a band, a band song um, 
the report with a couple different bands actually. Stripping it down to just the guitar, it gave it a different kind of meaning for me. And I had to kind of think, well, now how do I make it work? How do I get to what I'm trying to get to with this song? And you have to think of it in a whole different way. So maybe it, it's, that's part that's part of the part of the thing. It's just it's the fun. If you're into something, you embrace the chaos of tearing it apart. If you're not into it, it's just an annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So, yeah, go ahead. See if we can talk about the new single, the new Dream Syndicate single. So, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you told us this was from the These Time Sessions. It is. It's, it's um, it's and which it, which for that matter, so was um the universe. Universe inside was also from that same session. That was a good session. We we recorded a lot. We recorded, you know the the 10, 11 songs that are on these times, I forget now. We recorded the songs on these times. We recorded another 10 to 15 songs that didn't make the record. We had that late night jam, inspired jam that became the universe inside. It was a good session. And we there were a lot of tracks that didn't get released. And there's this one in particular, Hold Brother Hold, which I really, I liked. We actually mixed it when we mixed the whole album. So it was all finished and done. It was just a matter of, it didn't make the cut. It wasn't, it just didn't fit in. It didn't fit in with what These Times was. I think that record was meant to be more of a short song, poppy kind of, um, you know, quick bursts of energy kind of record. And the new record was long, meandering, obviously sprawling pieces. So Hold Brother Hold fits more into that sort of thing. So it seemed like a good time to put that out. records they um are doing a radio edit of dusting off the rust that they are putting out so it's kind of a, 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 a the single tomorrow is actually the edit of dusting off the rust but me being a record geek and a music fan a record store guy <laughs> from decades and decades i think any single should have a non-lpb side so i said okay if you're going to do the single we have to have something new that goes with it that's my you know love of Beatles and Elvis Costello and XTC and all those bands, you know, yes. you know the punk rock days, everybody had up a non-LPB side. So, oh yeah, if you're going to do a single, it's got to be something new coming out. So that came out with that. But actually, really, I really like this song a lot. I've been playing it a lot. And, and once again, like happens all the time with everybody, you think, why didn't that make the record? That was crazy. Like the, 
it finally gets to come out. Yes, I'm so glad that it, that we get it now. It's it's real good, and Thank you. now it just makes me wonder where are these ten to fifteen tracks that didn't make these times and didn't show up on the universe inside. If Hold Brother Hold is any indication, those 10 to 15 other tracks, hopefully we'll see them at some point. I think so. Well, also the thing is, you know, right now, we can't make records the way we made them in the past. That's, you know, that's not gonna happen again until who knows when, hopefully not too long. And I know, I know people are starting to find ways to record. I, know, I have friends who've been recording, not just by, um, by internet, but also going into safe studios where people are far apart and, you know, and keeping clean. And you can do that. It's, it's, it's actually, it's harder with the Dream Syndicate because we live in Germany and LA and Las Vegas and New York and, and Virginia and all that. So it's hard for us to, not impossible, but not, it would be ill-advised for us to get on plane, a plane and meet somewhere. But I gotta say, I've been lately fooling around with some of the unreleased tracks from the two records and they're really good. So we, you know, I hate to say that because you know then it sounds like oh so your next record is going to be a bunch of leftovers. But I could see us going with the same approach we did for the Universe Inside, where we take these raw materials and then play with them, build them up, and take away and add and and make them new things. And that might be the next Dream Snicket album if we you know if we are quarantined much longer because we want to keep doing stuff, want to keep busy. Excellent. Yeah, we're. We're enjoying this second time around. We're we're a band that's almost forty years old, and I don't think we take you know not not that we're you know in any danger of going anywhere soon. But you know you you don't want to waste time. You after all that time of making music, and especially when it's going so well right now, where we're connecting and feeling inspired and having fun and really doing things we think are really good, we don't feel like stopping. So we'll we'll keep finding ways to do stuff. Oh, and I should say this is this is a. I don't think this has been announced anywhere yet. And I always like having something new for you guys, but I don't know if you, um, the band Psychic Temple, the band, um, they opened for us at the El Rey, based in Long Beach, really one of my favorite bands. And the new Psychic Temple record, which is coming out in a couple months, the leader of the band, Chris Schlar, who's kind of is the band, um, he had this idea of doing a double album where each side of the album had a, a different band as his backing band for the whole side. So his new record, um, one side is Cherry Glazer, the really good band, his backing band. One is a Chicago art jazz band, who I didn't know before. But one is us. We're gonna we are the, we are the backing band for, a, for five songs on the new Psychic Temple record, and it's really cool. So that that should be out in a couple months as well. So we're uh, you know, awesome. doing our thing. Keep, you know, the, you know, <laughs> We don't really want to stop. <laughs> I'm glad. We don't want you to stop. We did. We, we did that before. We stopped in 88. We don't need to stop again. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, Dream Syndicate is on an all-time high. The music that you guys are putting out is just top-notch and just a great time to be a Dream Syndicate fan, that's for sure. Oh, thank you. We're, we're, really, we're really proud of it. I mean, I think, I, don't, I can't always articulate it. I've thought about it a lot, but I... I a lot of the motivation for doing the band, there's a lot of reasons. One is that, you know, Mark and Dennis and I stayed good friends all these years. We love hanging out. And Jason was a perfect fit and we love hanging out with Jason. You know, and Chris joined the band, he's one of our oldest friends. So we're just friends who enjoy being together. So that's one motivation. But also, I know for me, I wouldn't knock anything we did in the 80s. I think we did good music and music that people love and 
and I've learned a long time ago not to be disparaging about my own music because somebody will inevitably say, you just knocked my favorite record or my favorite song. So I say, yeah, they're all good. But there were things about that time back then that were frustrating to us. The way records were made were more fussy. You know, production in the 80s was, it was the producer's decade where they built records piece by piece. And it wasn't the way we normally like to work. We did it and we, did, we made the best of it and did pretty well with it. But I think we're able now to be the band we always wanted to be. And there's nothing getting in our way. There's no, there's no run a label that, God bless them, the label that says, do your thing, the weirder the better, just be yourselves and we'll, we'll put it out. So that's great right away. And also we have a confidence now of knowing what we like, what we don't like, and how to shape things in the way that we like. And, and it's, it's exciting. So it's, it's kind of, the band we are right now really is the band we wanted to be on day one. When we were in the garage in 1982, about to make the first EP, this is who we were. We, we were a weird, freaky, sprawling band. We were happier the longer the songs were, happy the noisier they were. We're happier, we're happy when things were dynamically jarring, when things go from loud to soft. All those things that excited us are exciting us now. So we get to do it all we want. That's, that's what more could you ask? Yes. And the response to the universe inside, you know, all these different reviews from fans and from critics alike is showing that people are enjoying wherever you're taking us. I know. You're giving us a lot of new, new things to listen to and experience. And yeah, you know, I, I like seeing the, the acclaim and the, and the response, the positive response to this record, because it shows that the band just keeps growing and evolving and doesn't just stay, you know, back in 1982. They no, we didn't want to do that. And, and, and it shows also that, you know, um, I, I was, I always, it's such a simple quote, but Linda said this to me a long time ago and it really, really registered with me. She said, don't underestimate your fans. And that was really a very simple thing, but it's true. Like a lot of times I think musicians think, oh, this is what they want, or this is what they can handle, but they can't handle this. And I think that a lot of time when you have a, what for us is very blessedly a, a, de, a devoted and um, enthusiastic audience, I think people want you just to know you're indulging yourself and doing your thing and making yourself happy and doing something you really believe in. And then that is infectious. That is, that's, that's exciting. And again, I, 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 I ride this, I straddle this carefully, but I think, I think in the eighties, like a lot of young bands and like bands in that era, we were thinking, well, what is, what are people going to like and what is going to be not liked and what will, you know, more than anything back then, it was, what will allow us to keep doing this because we like this, but we're afraid any day now, let's be like Cinderella and the, you know, we're going to, the fairy godmother is going to tell us we're, 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 we're not the ball anymore. Yeah. And so I think a lot of our motivation back then was like, keep it going for God's sake. We don't worry about that anymore. It's going to keep going anyway. There's nothing, there's nothing, the only thing that'll stop it is us stopping it. So I think it gives the freedom to get out there. But I had to say, sorry, I did not, I thought some people would like this record. We loved it. Everybody in the band. I've never been in a band where everybody involved liked a record so much in the same way. So we knew we liked it. I knew some people would say, yeah, this is my kind of thing. I didn't know it'd be so strong. It's a weird record. I mean, the shortest song is seven and a half minutes. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm singing, you know, 
now and then, but not very often. It's mostly just a band working stuff out. And it's got horns, something we never had on a record. All these things that were not in the lexicon of what the dream singer was supposed to be. And we did this and the, the reaction has been almost entirely positive and really enthusiastic has been pretty nice. Take us, yes. take us with you down the rabbit hole. We're gonna go. I know, and, and now, and now our, our, our new single, and our, our new single is five minutes long. I feel like, oh no, people are gonna think we sold out. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We just know it's a nibble. Don't worry about it. We're still in for the twenty-minute track. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We Don't can worry. do it anytime. We can do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, okay, so just a reminder: Bandcamp first Friday coming up, commission-free Friday. So. You've got a lot, I mean, you've been giving us stuff almost once a month. So, uh, solo acoustic, uh, solo electric, dream syndicate, uh, the reissue of the 2018 EP, baseball project. And we've got then this beautiful single with a non-LP track. So um, you definitely want to go and get that. Yeah. And we've got Medicine Show Fridays. I mean, and apparently there's a lot of other stuff. Oh, and Psychic Temple coming later, right? Really, coming. really good too. Yeah, so it's coming, I think, August or September. We'll be on the lookout. Yeah. Um, and where Dream Syndicate is the backing band for five songs on this double LP, which now that, that I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to hear that. I don't know what else is in was is in store, but I think we're here for every single little bit of it. So please feel free, come back, tell us more, share more. We're here for you. I, but, um, I, I always appreciate it. You, I love your show, and you know I, I love that you've given, you've spoken to all the all the all the characters in all areas of of the scene, and you get so many different perspectives. When I listen, I listen to friends of mine, of course, on your show, and when I hear it, I think. I didn't know that about, you know, I didn't know that about Jack Watterson. I didn't know that about, you know, about Debbie Peterson. It's like, this is kind of fun getting to know about people you've known for a long time in a different way. And, and also about the music that everyone's making. And, and you know, it, it's really, I mean, you, you, I'm thinking about other scenes 40 years after they started, you know, I, I, I don't know how much the, the Mersey Beat Cavern Club scene of 62 was going in, in 2002, but I think it was probably pretty dissipated. But somehow everybody in the scene is still out there, you know, doing new things, forging new trails and being creative. You know, the, the, the Bengals have made, well, they've made new records all along and their shows are returned to their roots. So, um, all the members of Green on Red are doing stuff. Chuck's got a new, new stuff out. Chris has a great new, his new record's fantastic. Yeah, agreed. You know, what he did is just like, hunkering down and making a new record in no time at all. That's great that he was able to do that. Um, yeah, everyone's, you know, the, the three o'clock, you know, I, I wish they were doing more new stuff, but, the, but their shows I've seen them play are fantastic. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to be part of a scene with people you were hanging out with when you were, 20, when you were 21 years old and see that 40 years later, they're, they're actually the same really cool, nice people you knew back then and also really as devoted as they were, and we've all been through, it took, it was like a, a full circle for all of us getting back to where we were. And I, again, I'm not, I'm not gonna say we all had the same story or speak for anybody else, but I think it seems like everybody kind of got back to, um, you know, the 
intense music fan, the enthusiast, the the lover of community, the um, the nice combination of being very driven and ambitious, but at the same time very supportive and 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 enthusiastic for other people who are doing the same thing. All that came back as the way it was back then. And you're documenting it very well on your show. So I appreciate that. Yes. It's been, it's been, it's been a thrill for us because we've been fans for decades. And to find out that these people, all of you artists are as kind and as passionate as you were decades ago, to us, it's just a thrill. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone, everyone, everyone came out okay. I mean, we, we lost a <laughs> We lost a few, and that's terribly, really sad. You know, the ones we've lost, but um, most everybody in the scene who's still here, which thankfully most people who are involved are healthy and cool. And there's there's not a one of them where I'd say, oh, I don't want to see that person. It's it's pretty nice. Excellent. How about that? It's awesome. figure. (laughs) (laughs) We always get very excited when one of our invites to guest on our show when it gets accepted and we get to talk to talk to you all and we really appreciate you guys coming on uh, Steven, we we love talking to you anytime you know it's open door we're happy to have you on and talk about anything you're working on but we just first of all thank you so much for all these releases and we're looking forward to this new single on Tuesday the 23rd of June and first Friday coming up Go to Bandcamp, get downloads, 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 CDs, everything. Yep, and for me and for, 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 for everybody else out there, for all the other good musicians, there's yes. plenty, plenty of people out there doing great stuff and it's, you know, they're putting it up there. So you'll ne- never run out. There's good, there's, there, no one's on tour, but everyone's making good music or a lot of people are. So yes. support, support your favorite bands. They, they appreciate it. And, yeah, absolutely. And, th- and, thank, and thank you guys. I really, you know, I, it's nice having a, a forum and an outlet to talk to people and to do these and talk to you guys just to hang out for a little bit. So I, I enjoy it as well. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Steve. We really appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure. Last time, uh, the last time I played a show, we were all hanging out together. So hopefully we can do that again. It's, you know, it, Jeff and I talk about it a lot. Our last show was Dream Syndicate. Mm. So it's a good omen looking forward and let's hope that we see each other at a live show soon i like the sound of that all right uh, you and right, happy healthy and safe yes sir the same to both of you all right thank you so much and we'll see you friday on the medicine show i'll be looking for you <laughs> all right bye. all right see you, see you both friday bye bye-bye all right so what did you think of that conversation with steve i always learn so much stuff every time steve's on but I mean, so many different projects, and I love hearing that he's writing a lot of songs. And I mean, I mean, what can you say? The guy is, he's, he's, what did he say? He said, um, with the recording of the solo acoustic, he said, well, I had a, I had some water and a Red Bull, and I was ready to go. Yeah. I mean, he just seems to have energy nonstop. And so it's just evident, but always learn new things and boy i mean what else can you say about a guy that's um got a new single out uh other stuff in the in the works and you know now i'm really intrigued by this psychic temple yeah 
That sounds very interesting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. And then uh I'll writing already writing new songs for Dream Syndicate. So we'll see what happens with that. Sorry, there was one question that I had written down that I forgot to ask. Oh Maybe, no, what? And it so it we we could ask it anytime, but I was I wanted to find out how many songs that Steve's written, if he knows, or released. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah, I had it in mind, but. Well, uh, we'll have to save it for next time. Though. Yes, yeah. Hopefully we can have it next time. I feel like we should have a, you know, a pool. Guess how many, guess how many uh, songs Steve Wynn has written. Yeah. And win a prize. I have a guest. Another Oh, guest. that's my favorite guest. Yeah. My grandson Noah likes to pop in at the last of our episodes. Well, he knows how to slam dance better than <laughs> anybody in that house. So yes. he knows. He knows where the music's at. <clears throat> he does. But um <clears throat> next week on our show, we're gonna have Chris Kakavez. And yes. He, he has some new releases that I also encourage people to go check out at Bandcamp. So as we discussed in the show, um, there are several sites of Steve-related um, music that you can get some Bandcamp stuff at. Uh, the Baseball Project 1 at Bandcamp.com is, I believe, the website. Um, if you just go to Bandcamp and you Google it, you'll run, if you look in our search, but we'll, you'll, you'll find um, like we do every first Friday, we're going to include links, direct links to Excellent. the band pages so you can go and purchase their music and support these artists that give us lots of great music to listen to, and especially now. And also, don't forget about the medicine show. Listen to Steve. He says he's trying to do medicine shows with no repeats. So, yes. you so know, if you anything, come for that. Yeah, that, that shows you how many songs he's penned. Yeah, I mean, so, so, so many. And we do have a little treat for y'all after we're done here. So keep listening once we, once we, uh, once our voices disappear. Yes. So make yeah. sure you stay listening. But yeah. anyways, gente, agrubiar. Groove on, Paisley people. Noah, you want to say goodbye? We had a special request for this time around, Steve, before we let you go. We wanted to know if we could get a live performance out of you to end the show. Yeah. And we, we threw a couple suggestions to you, but it's totally open to you yeah. if, if you're willing to do that for us. We'd love to hear a live performance from you. Yeah, yeah I have your request, and I, I chose one I'm going to do here. Let's make the guitar out here. And uh, hopefully it'll sound good. Let's see. The internal mic. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, a whole learning curve. Here we are doing this crazy technology. I know. I know your listeners can't. Don't. I'm not sure if you told them. We talked about world. We're doing this on Zoom right now because I think because you, 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 you like the technology, right? You thought you thought you were getting better recordings. That's correct. We were doing um, um Skype. 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 Right. And 
uh, you know, stuff like this. This is, it's, it's kind of funny because we're all learning how to do this stuff. Everybody, journalists, politicians, friends, family, we're all kind of by necessity learning how to do this stuff. And, and we're all kind of okay at it. You know, it's like, like I, I love the great equalizer thing about when you turn on, you know, CNN and somebody's like, you know, some famous reporter is as bad at it, you know, their, their screen, their screen is freezing and they're, you know, and, they're, and their lighting is bad. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that, with that introduction, hopefully this recording will sound, this version will sound good through um, the computer mic. Uh, this is a gutterball song. Um, so right, this is your, your request, right? You, you want to hear, um, great. This is called, um, Is There Something I Should Know? It's a song I wrote with Stephen McCarthy for the Weasel album. And the typical songwriting process in the gutterball days was Brian Harvey or Stephen McCarthy would play, play a few chords at me and I'd get a beer and go in the other room and write the words in five minutes and come back out. We were, we were writing stuff fast. Was just our, we, were, we were having a lot of laughs. And I think they were, they were amused by my ability to write lyrics quickly. And, they, and I was um, conversely impressed by their melodic sense. My, my, my lexicon for music is often more from garage and droning and things like that. But they're from the Beatles school of beautiful melodies. So Stephen gave me this song and um, this kind of poppy pretty song. I wrote a song about a stalker. <laughs> it, is, it goes like this. Messes on your phone machine says, please leave me alone. Every time I come to see you, the lights are on, but there's nobody home. Is there something you're trying to tell me? Is there something that I ought to know? Explain it to me before you go. Is there something I should know? First time that I left you, I must have been out of my mind. Second time that I left you, I was lost, and there was something I was trying to find. As in the Bible, to forgive them lately and is to find. To me, one more time, is this something I should know? doesn't scare me, your dog won't keep me away, but I'm having a little trouble with that restraining order from the DEA, is there something you're trying to tell me, is there something that I ought to know? Is there something I should know? Is there 
something I should know? Is this something that you want to talk about, baby? Is this something I should know? That was awesome! <laughs> ah, I figure you're giving us so many different things on the medicine show. I wanted, th but this song live, oh, oh, yeah. smile, happy. And I, I haven't played that. I'm, I'm trying to do medicine show, no repeats. That's kind of my sort of goal. I'm, I'm ending all the shows with There Will Come a Day because I think that's kind of the, you know, that's the sentiment I'm feeling right now. And I think that's become kind of, for me personally, a little bit of a mantra and an yeah. anthem for things. But other than that song, my hope is to not repeat any songs from week to week until I run out. So that I think when I run out of songs, I'll be in the end of the medicine show, but that won't happen for a while. <laughs> so so, so yeah, I'll do that one next week. I'm glad that you mentioned that ending with There Will Come a Day, because when you first start, when you did it the second time, I was like, oh, he's repeating the song. Why is he doing that? And then at first I was like, this would be an opportunity to hear another song. But I, after you did it, started doing that, I really love it. It ties it together. It's, it's like watching your favorite show. And then it, it's that thing that wraps it up at the end. At first I was leery about it. And I'm like, well, why is he doing this? I want to hear another song. But now I really like it. I like that you're doing that. And it's- It's a closing theme. It's like, you know- Exactly, like the, exactly. It's like, the Carol, it's like the Carol Burnett show. Like, I'm so glad we have this time together. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's your, I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> 